Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, Joanna. How are you? Good to see you. Same here. I've been looking forward to this. Well, me too. Uh, as we mentioned or talked about uh, prior to this, I'm glad we got our time zones worked out. You're Eastern, I'm Central, but we're connected in here now. Right, right. Yeah. Well, welcome to the Ozark Mountain Author Series. And um, each uh, week I've been sort of, uh, um, well, not sort of, definitely talking to the authors about their books and their experiences. So uh, today's your turn. And um, uh, I'd love for you to start out if you could please tell a little bit about your background and how everything got started for you. And then we'll go from there. Oh, sure. I'd love to. Um, well, actually, I got started when I was a teenager. I was reading books about Edgar Casey and books that were written by Ruth Montgomery and Jess Stern and, and uh, uh, this was back in, in the 60s. And I always had a question about um, what happens after you die. Uh, I was born and I was raised Catholic, so I had that background. I went to Catholic school, but a lot of it didn't make any sense to me. So I started looking you know, into reincarnation theories, and that made sense to me. So I was doing all that reading as a as a, uh, a youngster, teenager, and then um, pretty got all about it uh, until 1987, when Shirley MacLaine's groundbreaking book, Out on a Limb, was made into a miniseries that ABC ran for a couple of nights. And when I watched that, I was, uh, my interest, my, the passion that I had felt about reincarnation just got reignited all over again. And uh, especially when she was talking about her past lives. And I thought, oh, wow, you know, this is something I want to get into a lot more. So I decided to join Edgar Casey's uh, Association for Research and Enlightenment. And, uh, and for those of you uh, who don't know about Mr. Casey, he's the most renowned psychic of the 20th century. He gave 14,000 readings during his life. 12,000 of those were health readings. Uh, but 2,000 of them had to do with life readings in which he gave people information about their prior lifetimes. So um, I had already graduated from college. I was a history major. I loved early American history. And a friend of mine said, did you know that Edgar Casey did a reading, a life reading on a baby boy when he was two days old and said that he was the reincarnation of Thomas Jefferson, um, as well as Alexander the Great and, and a few others that, that Casey mentioned. And I said, no, but the, uh, I read I, what, you know, what was his uh, 
lifelike. I wanted to know more about him. Um, just from a, a reporter's point of view, I thought this would be a great story. Uh, I found out what his number was because in the case he everybody's assigned a number so that you maintain your anonymity. So his was 1208. I could reveal that because it's in the book. Uh, and um, I looked up his, his reading and I was astonished because there was a a sentence in there that really threw me and it's that Mr. Casey said about this soul that's in this little baby's body. He said, the, this entity can do for the world what Thomas Jefferson did for this country. I thought, oh, that's pretty heavy to give a little two-day-old baby. Uh, I wonder what his life was like based on that prophecy that, that Casey had given him. And so um, I tried through various channels to find him. Uh, I didn't know where to, to find this little boy who his name is actually um, Thomas Jefferson Davis. Uh, and I looked um, all over for him and asked the people at ARE if they would introduce me to him and they wouldn't for one reason or the other. And finally, um, I, uh, uh, I sort of gave up. Uh, I had wanted to contact him because I thought it would be interesting to write an article about him, uh, maybe for a magazine or something like that. I wasn't thinking in terms of a book. But what the more I looked into his life, the more I realized how uh, there were people who were um, really sort of down at him because he didn't fulfill that prophecy. You know, when somebody like Mr. Casey, the caliber of, of Mr. Casey says, you know, you could do for the world what Jefferson did for this country and you don't do anything. Uh, you know, people tend to, to look at you and say, well, you know, you had this potential, why didn't you fulfill it? Uh, so there's this fascination about how could the soul of, of Thomas Jefferson uh, be in this body of this man who, who basically was living like a recluse. Well, I finally was able to connect with him. And uh, when I did, we, we uh, instantly became friends. He lives actually here in Charlottesville, where I live. Uh, and uh, I had asked him if he'd be open to my doing a, um, a book about his life. And he agreed. Now, this is taking place over many years. This wasn't something that happened right away. Uh, and when, at the point that he agreed, it, it was eight years from that point to when the book was actually ready for publication. My purpose in writing it was because I wanted to clear the record. I wanted people to understand why he didn't do what Casey said, what happened to him, what, what role did free will play in all of this, and how those don't necessarily um, go on an upward trajectory lifetime after lifetime. You can you could go up and go down, you can go up and go down, depending on what karmic issues you're working on. So that was the incentive for me to write the book. Um, I spent many years going back and forth to Virginia Beach, where ARE is, has its headquarters. I was allowed to go into their archives um, at the Edgar Casey Foundation, where there were files of uh, all the letters that were written and the cards and and all this background information that the public isn't aware of. So I went through DJ's file and any file of anybody that knew him and pieced together a, a timeline of his life during the eight years 
that he lived with Edgar Casey in the Casey household. Because um, I should say that, um, and there's a lot to that story of how they got together, but uh, T.J. Davis is actually the nephew of Edgar Casey's secretary, Gladys Davis. And so um, that was his way of getting to Mr. Casey. He said he and Mr. Casey had been together multiple lifetimes. So the story of his journey, how he got to the Casey's, what his home life was like, uh, and what he learned from Mr. Casey uh, over the years. Uh, and then tragically, Mr. Casey died in 1945 when TJ was only eight years old. And uh, some of the promises about future readings and more guidance as to help this soul accomplish what was ahead of them never came to be. But um, so I wanted to share that that remarkable story with everyone, and, and I did that in in my book uh, Edgar Casey and the Unfulfilled Destiny of Thomas Jefferson Reborn. Well, Joanne, this that sounds very intriguing. Can you please tell me a little bit more about the details, um, if, however, how, and however much you feel comfortable um, about what it was specifically then that Edgar Casey saw, and why it why it was that he didn't go about, you know, pursuing what he you know what 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 the potential was. It's not that I guess he had to. Well, uh, the soul of Casey and the soul of T.J. Davis have been together in multiple lifetimes. I mean, going all the way back to uh, Atlantis and ancient Egypt. So, um, you know, we travel together as a soul family, like a, a pod. Uh, so from lifetime to lifetime to lifetime, the same souls are together. They change gender and they change roles, but it's the same same souls. And so TJ wanted very much to be with Mr. Casey in that lifetime. And he had no way of getting to him because by the time he, when he was in spirit, he thought, I want to, I want to be with him. But the Casey's were too old. They weren't having any more children. And so uh, TJ thought, well, I'll come through my aunt Gladys, but she wasn't married or having children. So then he decided, well, I'll come through Gladys's brother Boyd and his wife Berlin. Boyd and Berlin Davis were gamblers and they were alcoholics. And TJ Soul figured they won't want a baby and they'll give me up. They'll give me to Gladys. And through Gladys, I'll be able to get to Mr. Casey. So it was really genius how, how he figured this whole thing out. And so um, the, the readings, the Casey reads as well as the background information, the letters that I found that Mr. Mr. Casey wrote, um, that Gladys wrote, uh, that uh, TJ's parents wrote. Uh, I was able to piece together what his life was like as, as a child. Uh, and it wasn't very stable. He did not spend a lot of time with his parents. Uh, they separated fairly early in, in their marriage. Uh, his father went off to World War II. He didn't see him for years. Uh, his mother, again, had the, the issue of the alcoholism and the gambling. So she never had a steady job. Uh, and so he was sort of thrown from pillar to post. I mean, so, sometimes he was with Gladys, less time with his mother, but back and forth and back and forth. The times he was with Gladys were the times that he was with Mr. Casey. And so he lived at the Casey household in Virginia Beach. And Mr. Casey just adored him. I mean, you could you could tell that by the pictures of them together and also by the the letters that Mr. Casey wrote when she talked about TJ. Uh, and um, 
they would spend hours and hours and hours out on a pier that jetted out into a lake behind Casey household. And when they were on that pier together, that was uh, his classroom. Mr. Casey taught him everything from how to see auras to reincarnation to the creation story. Uh, you know, when he was in, in the Casey garden, he was introduced to fairies. He lived this enchanted childhood, a childhood that an average mainstream child would never experience. I mean, TJ was talking about how he was lonely and he, he, he there were no kids around and he would complain to Mr. Casey. Mr. Casey said, I'll take care of that for you. And the next thing you know, TJ said there was a little girl on the pier when they were out when they were out fishing and, he, and she was playing the violin. And uh, Casey said, here, go play with her. Her name is Stefanella. And uh, she only spoke Italian. And, uh, and TJ said that, you know, he was only a couple of years old at that point. He, he didn't question uh, who this little girl may have been, but he said she was, at times he said she, he could put his hand through her. Uh, that was just one of the many stories he told about growing up. He saw Casey levitate someone, um, you know, um, just, it, just one story after the other about living in this, in the household in which everybody that was there believed in reincarnation. Everybody knew everybody else's past life. So everyone's looking at this little boy for signs of, of the Jefferson life in him. And it, it would pop up repeatedly. When he was about three years old, uh, he came, Mr. Casey, and, and he started reciting the Declaration of Independence. And he said, you know, I wrote that. Uh, and uh, he did it again when he was in, um, in school. Uh, he had a history exam, and he didn't know the answer to the question, so he wrote out Declaration of Independence and the um, uh, about the religious freedom in Virginia, and he handed it in, and, and they suspended him because they thought, what you know, he must. They knew he wasn't cheating because he was sitting right in front of them, uh, and then they they finally passed him to the next grade. But those those are the kinds of things that happen on a continuous basis, and all of this was leading. He would he would sit there and he would read all the Casey readings uh, that Casey was giving. So he did have a really clear understanding of the work that Mr. Casey was doing, its value, its importance to the world. Um, I would say the biggest event happened that changed the trajectory of his life was that Mr. Casey uh, had uh, suggested that he go to this school in New Hampshire called the High Mowing School. Um, and the woman who founded it, her name was um, um, Mrs. Uh, Beulah Emmett. And she had a reading with Casey, and Casey said that she had worked with Aristotle in a previous lifetime. So Aristotle, of course, was Alexander's, uh, the great's teacher. And so they would have been together in that life, and Casey thought this is the perfect place to send TJ for his training because what he was going to be doing, uh, going to the, an average public school wasn't gonna cut it. And so um, she agreed to take him when he was very, very young, uh, younger than most of the students at her school. And, and um, uh, he was all set, he was all packed. Gladys had their train tickets, they were ready to go. And at the last minute, his mother changed her mind and said no, that he, she didn't want him to go. Uh, and 
he'll, he says to this day that that was the one singular event that he regrets the most because he felt strongly that if he had been able to go to that school that his life would have been completely different uh, than it turned out to be. So um, a lot of twists and turns in the story in the, in the book, um, but it is a, a fascinating look, I think, at the, tra at the trajectory of a soul. That you come in, you may have a specific purpose that you're coming in for, but things happen and free will gets involved and choices that are made. And when you're young, they're made by uh, an adult on your behalf. And so, um, and so that's what happened to him. So he did not fulfill Mr. Casey's prophecy. However, we truly believe after I wrote this whole book and spent all this time with him, I truly believe that his um, purpose wasn't so much that he was going to save the world um, in a traditional like political way. I think his purpose really was that he was being immersed in the Casey material and he was gonna share that with the world because he always said to me, you know, Joanne, any question that humanity can be answered in those readings, the answers are right there if we would just take the time to look at them. So um, so that basically is is his story. And um, and I was really humbled and proud to be able to share that with uh, with everyone. You know, Joanne, what I find surprising is this could also be part of, you know, lack of knowledge on my end, but everything I've always ever heard about Edgar Casey was that, you know, he was this great channel that foresaw many great things. And, but these different things you just brought up are really news to me that you know, it almost seemed like he had, like it almost seemed like his power was the channeling and not, not anything else. So, but it seems like there was more, more than, than at least I was aware of. Can you maybe speak a little bit to that? Like that girl and, and the, and you said that he, that the gentleman who, who this book is about, uh, by the way, the book is Edgar Casey and the Unfulfilled Destiny of Thomas Jefferson Reborn. And it's also available on Ozark through, um, audiobook, e, uh, ebook, and of course, hard copy. So what I wanted to ask is if you could go a little bit into that, if you have any information about Edgar Casey, if he's, what, what other things he, he was really just kind of, I guess, doing on the side besides the channeling? Not really. Uh, I don't know if if any of this happened because of the special bond that he had with, with TJ. Um, or I don't, I don't know of any other instances that I have read about where he was doing things like that. I mean, I do know about the levitation. I do know... Um, I do know that when he would give readings, he would have a, a group come to the house. And um, before he would begin, he would wait because he, he said spirits were coming into the house. And TJ said he could see them manifesting, coming in. And he wanted to wait for them to get there before he would begin uh, this little conversation or lecture, whatever he was doing. I know that at one point he channeled the Archangel Michael uh, TJ heard that, uh, this voice bellowing out of Casey. Um, and I know that he, you know, he, the whole story about the fairies in the garden, they had an asparagus garden that TJ and would work in with Mr. Casey. And he said one day he was out there and he saw these little stick figures with wings on them. And 
he came running in terrified and Mr. Casey said, Oh no, those are elementals. They're, they're, you know, make friends with them. And, uh, and so, um, but what else went on? I, you know, there's really, um, I don't know of any books that, that came out that were written from that perspective of the, somebody who actually lived in the Casey household and was for a witness to what was happening. But I don't know also of any instances in which Casey did some sort of a psychic uh, manifestation for anybody else. Um, it could be. I, I just not gone into uh you know, with 14,000 readings and all that background information, I've been so focused on TJ's story that I really couldn't address that. Now, Joanna, forgive me if, if you said it and I missed it. But so basically, in essence, so then instead of pursuing, like you said, these political things, just you saying that then TJ feels like he's more there to just help propagate more of the Edgar Casey materials. That's right. Although I have her tell me a, new, uh, uh, a few times, um, uh, when I first met him, I was hosting little little gatherings, little meetings uh, over at my Unity Church, uh, where TJ would come and talk about growing up with Mr. Casey, giving people a firsthand uh, account of those years with with Mr. Casey. And I remember he had said uh, at a few of those that he felt he could. Uh, work with people all around the world that um, in a diplomatic way he said I know how to talk to these people and uh, and of course you know he had a tremendous amount of of, um, of traveling uh, behind him in which he went into all these countries and and he met the people and and engaged with them and spoke with them and he had a a tremendous ability to pick up language and uh, and to speak the language of, of these people. So there were times when he did say that, yeah, I, I could figure this out. I could. So I, I suppose we could go back and say, well, we have the mind of Thomas Jefferson here, and he's claiming he has that diplomatic ability to, to solve the world's problems, you know, but, but of course that didn't happen and it's not I doubt that it's going to happen at this point. Um, although TJ is still alive, he's, uh, he was born in 1936, uh, so he's he's still alive, living here in Charlottesville. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I think he has that. He still has that charisma. Whenever he's done these talks, people are mesmerized by him. They just can't get enough of him. Um, for a lot of reasons, and not the least of which is the Thomas Jefferson part of it. Because to be honest with you, he doesn't care about that. That's not important to him. It's the work. If it's Casey work, that was more important to him than any legacy he could have left as Jefferson. Plus, you have the additional issue here, especially here in Charlottesville. There are many people going around saying they were Thomas Jefferson. I've I've had you who have confronted me about the book and said, you know, you've done a disservice to mankind because I'm the real Thomas Jefferson. Um, and I run into that a lot because I've been doing past life regressions for over 35 years. And so this whole issue of being somebody famous in a past life uh, is a subject unto itself, believe me. But, um, but I don't know Casey ever being wrong about anything he did. So when Casey says that he was, 
Jefferson. I, I truly believe it. He looks like him. Uh, and certainly the memories that he's had growing up of, of Jefferson, uh, of repeating things from the Jefferson are things that these other Thomas Jeffersons really can't lay claim to. So, um, so to me, he's, he's the real deal. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.